All right, welcome to another All About Nothing podcast, episode 31. Today is February the 16th, 2020. And today is going to sort of be a, a catch-up, a catch-up episode, because there's uh, there's been a few weeks where it's either just been me, or it's been Zach and I, or it's just been me, and we haven't had an opportunity to sit down and have a conversation here lately, so we wanted to, I, I wanted to uh, go ahead and go ahead and do that. So like I said, the episode today is going to kind of be a bunch of catch-up. I guess. Not cats up, but ketchup. I've been taking show notes since, I don't know, before even the Super Bowl. So in order to catch up, we're going to have to go through all of the notes that I've written, even if they don't have anything to do with anything. So you're welcome. can't promise that this is going to be interesting, entertaining, funny, any of that. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to try and go through everything here as an attempt to knock another episode out. Uh, Zach and I will get together this coming Wednesday. Uh, That's our plan as of right now. So be prepared for that. However, it is that most of you need to prepare for that. So, um, so we're going to get started. And again, I'm gonna. This is this is going to be a catch-up episode. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through all the notes that I've taken, and and there's there's a lot. I'm going to go through all the notes I've taken, and and possibly get through all of this within an hour. We'll see. Uh, no promises. Uh, so, uh, the first thing, and I'm going to read verbatim some of these things because if, if I don't, I probably won't even know what I was talking about. And unfortunately, some of this is handwritten, so we're going to struggle through this together because my handwriting is terrible. I mean, I can't. All right. So just to start out. All right. Um, clearly, this takes place after John Bolton's announcement of his book um, and and before the, uh, the, the impeachment trial in the Senate ended. So some of this is going to sound a little dated, but it should be kind of odd. Um, John Bolton's book clearly defines a quid pro quo. Uh, and directly links the president and his uh, first have first hand knowledge. Uh, it's it's not hearsay um, from the president's mouth to Bolton's ears. So that's what I wrote down. And and I'm guessing that I was probably disturbed by the fact that the Senate still did not want to call into question John Bolton, uh, who who admitted that if he was asked that he would show up and he would give testimony. Um, no one really knows what direction that testimony was going to go, but potentially, likely, uh, because he did have a book announcement come out that was basically going to break down everything, or it comes out in March. So uh, it, it seems as though he w- he could have given testimony that probably would have linked the Ukrainian quid pro quo directly to President uh, Trump's um, uh, campaign mm, manipulating, sort of. Uh, but, uh, you know, that was, that, that was not to hear, not to be, not to happen because, uh, the Senate decided to vote against introducing any witnesses or new testimony or new evidence. So the only thing they really had to go on was the information that was provided, uh, during the house impeachment, 
um, uh, questionnaires and 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 all of the uh, all of the evidence that they gathered. So that's all the that's all the Senate wound up using was all of that same evidence which everyone had already heard. Um, now at this point, I'm still not certain as why Michael, <laughs> not Michael, John Bolton has not actually come out and uh, done any television interviews that I know of. Um, again, I'm reading really old notes now that you're all having to suffer through. So, um, <laughs> so <laughs> moving on to the next one, uh, the Senate wraps up the questioning piece of the impeachment, impeachment trial, uh, to the possibility of, uh, utilizing witnesses, but if the GOP has the votes, they will have to vote quickly on an acquittal. Um, this could backfire. The Dems only need 51 votes to get witnesses testimony. And as of this morning, uh, they say, t- let's see, uh, uh, this is difficult to read. Uh, as of this morning, uh, this they stand at a firm 49 uh, with uh, two Republicans leaning towards witnesses. All right. So to break that down, um, at the time, uh, a Friday, a couple weeks ago, the uh, House managers that were presenting the evidence, um, the the... Uh, the Senate put forward a vote to introduce witnesses, and I know we just talked about this a couple minutes ago, or a minute ago, um, but there was the opportunity to introduce witnesses into the the testimony, and uh, Mitch McConnell put it up to a vote. Um, in the end, uh, they were not able to convince enough Republicans to uh, side with the Democrats in order to bring about any witnesses. Uh, to to allow for John Bolton to come and testify um, to subpoena either of the Bidens, which I don't know what the point in that would have been, but sure. So so the potential was if they could they could have John Bolton show up, they could have uh, any testimony from any of the people that we heard from during the uh, House trial or the House impeachment. Um, so we didn't get any of that. In the end, the Democrats did not get enough votes. And actually, honestly, as soon as uh, Lamar Alexander announced that he was not going to vote in favor of having any witnesses, that kind of just put a whole stop to it. I know we had um, the senator from Maine and senator from Alaska, and uh, I think Mitt Romney, you know, it it didn't make any difference. As soon as as one of those four said that they were not going to go uh, with the Democrats, then it was was over. So it it didn't actually even make any it didn't make any difference. Um, let's see. So uh, moving on, um, we were going to do or potentially do some sort of a Super Bowl preview uh, in, in the end. Uh, at this point, if you don't know who won, uh, it's been it's been like two weeks. What is today? The sixteenth. So it's been it's been two weeks since the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm hoping by now you've probably watched a recap and and saw that Kansas City won their first Super Bowl in fifty years. Fantastic, great for them. Um, of course, the president came out and tweeted um, his congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs as well as the state of Kansas. Um, and okay, I I'm I love the opportunity to sit down and and pick on the president. And 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 clearly, geography is not something that he is very firm on. Um, and and I want to I, I want to take the opportunity to to pick on him and to to make fun. The problem with that is that if you watch late night television and they go and they do these interviews on the street with people that are just passing by, I, I, I have a hard time picking on the president because 
virtually every single person they show probably would not have any idea that Kansas City, uh, the Kansas City, Missouri is the who hosts the Kansas City Chiefs versus Kansas City, Kansas, which is right on the other side of the Missouri River. So, it, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand or that, that there, there's, there's a good possibility that there's a lot of people that don't know that Kansas City, Missouri and Kansas City, Kansas are two different cities. They, they, they are, they, they're on the opposite sides of Missouri River. So one's in Missouri, one's in Kansas. But I don't know how many people know that the Kansas City Chiefs are in Kansas City, Missouri versus Kansas City, Kansas. And I, 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 guess, I guess the problem I have with picking on the president for that is too easy. But it's, it's hypocritical because I could potentially make fun of millions of people that don't know that as well. Regardless of any of that, the president did tweet out a congratulations uh, to the state of Kansas. It was retracted fairly quickly after that, and and that's whatever. You know, it's his Twitter account. He can do whatever he wants. Um, It was retracted, and then another one came out congratulating Kansas City uh, Chiefs. So in the end, again, I feel like there is enough there to pick on him, but I feel like... In doing so, makes me hypocritical of the fact that I'm not going to do it for the millions of other people that should know where Kansas City is and should know that Kansas City Chiefs are in Kansas City, Missouri. But, you know, it, I, I imagine people get that wrong fairly often, sadly. Um, I mean, when I was in high school, we had to know all of the capitals of all the states. Um, and and I, I guess if I was allowed to write it down, I could probably go through and give you all the capitals of the states now, probably not as well as I could have, you know, 25 years ago. But potentially I could, you know, I I think I can go through and name all 50 states, um, not necessarily in alphabetical order or order of um, statehood or anything like that, but I could potentially at least, you know, name all 50. And maybe Zach and I'll do that one day as a sort of a a gag or a a bit. Um, Anyway, moving on. Um, One of the things I wrote down was that I wanted to start talking to Zach about potentially putting together a new uh, theme song to open the show with and potentially something to close the show with. Um, uh, And I'll be honest, I I can't even read what I wrote here. Um, Theme music ideas may be work through the process. Okay, I understand what I'm trying to say there. Maybe he and I. Horns, uh, beats, bass organ i don't know anyway that was that was what i wrote down there um so obviously we're thinking about changing the theme music at the beginning of the song and the the end soon uh end song music so it's just a just a process to start start putting some of that together all right so uh again just uh working through my notes uh and also trying to control my breathing enough so that i'm not sounding like i'm getting uh I'm hyperventilating or something. I don't know. I, I do feel like I've got some congestion. And uh, being February 16th, the groundhog came out two weeks ago and apparently said that, uh, early spring. And I guess if you look outside, you do see the trees are, are budding. Um, and I'm not saying that that's having a, a, an effect on me. I don't, I'd, I'd like to think that I don't suffer from allergies, but I'm pretty certain that I do. Uh, 
<clears throat> excuse me. So if I do that a couple times, I apologize. It's uh, it's not intentional. Um, so just, again, working through the notes. Um, so let's see. Uh, so all of that about the impeachment would have been uh, useful information, uh, but the Senate blocked witnesses. Again, 51 to 49 vote. Um, paraphrasing Mark Rubio, he says, uh, I know what the president uh, I know what the president did was awful, and removal is what we should be doing uh, or should have been done, but it's too much and it could be bad for the country. So that is an admission by Marco Rubio, Senator from Florida, that he recognizes that the president did commit impeachable acts, but the fear of it being um, uh, bad for the country, was, was why he decided that he would not vote in favor of uh, extending it any further. Um, Lamar Alexander, uh, representative from, uh, I'm sorry, uh, senator from Tennessee, said that the, that the House managers had proven their case against the president, but that it wasn't, uh, it still wasn't an impeachable conduct, and therefore more information was unnecessary. So despite the fact that the House managers proved uh, that the president had committed an impeachable act. Um, Lamar Alexander decided that based on the fact that their evidence had supported their argument, uh, that he didn't need to hear anything else and, and didn't believe that anyone else did either. But he was still already set to vote against um, Finding the or finding the president guilty of these impeachable acts, so he he admits that he they did he did them. Uh, he admits that uh, the evidence is damning, uh, but uh, you know, president is the president, and he's going to get away with it. Um, let's see, Lisa Murkowski, representative from Alaska, voted to no to any new witness testimony. Uh, Mitt Romney did vote in favor of the motion for witnesses. Uh, Susan Collins from Maine did vote in favor of the motion to uh, bring about witnesses and uh, potentially any new evidence. But really, uh, like I said earlier, once Alexander announced that he was voting against the motion, the whole vote was basically just a sham anyhow. Alexander was a vote number 50 against. 51 simply uh, was the majority that was needed to vote down the motion. Um Let's see, Murkowski wasn't even an issue at that point, so she could have voted. She could have voted her conscience and said that she voted in favor of the evidence, and then it would have been uh, 50-50. Again, would not have mattered because you need 51, and they weren't going to really be able to lean on Lamar Alexander from Tennessee, so it didn't really make any difference. It's, I mean, it's basically just again the chicken shit Republicans uh, letting dumb, d- Democrat um, <laughs> letting Donald Trump basically just run amok. And uh, and and his his grasp and control on the uh, the new Republican Party that we have. Um, so fast forwarding after the denial vote, the following Tuesday, that may not be correct. Uh, the following yes, the following Tuesday night. Um, well, I guess maybe maybe take a step back. Um, we did have the Iowa caucus. Um, but that was after. And I'm just in my head. I'm trying to trying to put the calendar back together because again, this is this has been a little while since uh, since I've gone over all this, and I wrote these notes down. That's why this is a catch up episode, and 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 a lot of this is probably stuff you've already heard, and and you've probably already read, and and really, if you're listening to a podcast, it's probably about things you've already 
heard or read anyway. So you're welcome, I guess. Um, let's see. So the president did have his State of the Union, um, which, you know, these he's welcome to have it every year. Um, apparently, uh, during the State of the Union, um, one of the people in attendance, I guess, um, Fred Gutenberg, um, he apparently was ejected from the State of the Union during Trump's address for yelling about his daughter. So American activist Fred Gutenberg was ejected from the State of the Union on Tuesday night uh, during the president's address for yelling about his deceased daughter, uh, Jamie Gutenberg, who was killed in the 2008 Stoneman Douglas High School shooting in Parkland, Florida. So as Trump talked about the Second Amendment being under siege, uh, Gutenberg, who was reportedly at the event as the uh, speaker of uh, Nancy Pelosi's guest, he began yelling, what about my daughter? Security apparently was very quick to remove him and escort him out of the chamber. Uh, that was actually confirmed by Newsweek. And if you watched the State of the Union, um, you might have noticed just how game showy it kind of was. Um, there was there was a lot of breaks and uh, pauses, attempts to um, really reel the audience in. Um, and, and despite all of the theatrics and everything that went on during the uh, the, the State of the Union, it still had the lowest numbers of any State of the Union in the last 26 years. And that's not really a big surprise. I don't think that anyone really had any... I don't think anyone had any assumptions that the State of the Union was going to have this amazing audience draw. Um, you did have uh, the president giving Rush Limbaugh, uh, whom I can certainly discuss and give my opinions on, but I have a feeling that most people know that my opinions are probably not that great. Um, that cancer could not have picked a better individual. <clears throat> so, uh, but but yeah. So Rush Limbaugh got the Presidential uh, Freedom Medal, honor, or whatever, and 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 like Melania actually had to carry it on her into the State of the Union, and and also then you know award it to uh, Rush Limbaugh uh, during the State of the Union. So. You know, this this is one of those things that just it just feels really awkward and unnecessary during the State of the Union, um, and really the State of the Union is is supposed to be normally under most normal circumstances with a normal president. State of the Union is basically an attempt for the president to get up there and say these are the uh, the, the State of the Union. This is this is an opportunity for him to. Come between, come, come in front of Congress, all both houses, and and basically just talk about the uh, the things that have happened over the last year and what's going to happen going forward. But this year, it seemed more like it was the president's own uh, private rally that we all get to sort of sit and watch, where the Democrats sit there with their hands folded and their their eyes you know, raised, <laughs> but the Republicans get to sit there and, and chant for the president, which, which Trump, I don't, I don't think there's anything in the world that this president doesn't love more than to hear people chanting for him or in favor of him. It is, it is, it is so, I mean, just the look on his face, just the sheer enjoyment. And you know, in his head, 
this is the greatest thing that could possibly happen is 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 to have especially the the senate the senate uh, and house republicans started chanting four more years and you could just see it on his face and when they panned over towards melania you could see it in her face too his face was excitement and 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 love for the fact that these these people were chanting to keep him for four more years and her face her face was just it didn't look like happiness. It was it was more of a it was what is it going to take to get out of this? You know, um, there there are rumors of of from reporters that were in the room when uh, Hillary Clinton conceded the election in 2016 to Trump that 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 Melania had her her face in her hands and she was crying, and it was not tears of joy. Everyone was shocked that President Trump. Or that, that Donald Trump, uh, citizen Trump at the time, had, had just beaten Hillary Clinton and was elected to be president of the United States. This was this was something that it sounds as though was completely unprecedented and no one was prepared for in the least. So to see Melania's face when the when the Republicans were chanting four more years, to see her face, you could just tell this was this is not something she wants. And and in my I can't I can't believe that. President Trump wants to go through another four years of this. I mean, I, I I don't I don't know exactly what's going on in his head, but at 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 some level he's got to recognize that he's caught. You know, at some point he's got to understand, and and it, it's got to be it's got to be somewhere in his head that, that just this idea that you know he's going to step out of the Oval Office one day after either this election where he's not reelected or at the end of his last term, this next term where he's going to walk out of the white house and into federal custody because there are pending trials and cases and, and, and the, you know, these, there are court situations and, and charges looming that, that he will have to answer for. I mean, unless, unless he were to resign and, and pull a Nixon where Ford uh, Pence, in this case, um, just lets him off for all of it. So that is a possibility, but I just I don't I don't think that's what's going to happen. Trump thinks that I I believe I I think Trump thinks he can get away with all of this and that he doesn't that there are no repercussions coming for him that, that there isn't there isn't potential charges coming for him. I think he actually may think that he's getting away with this, but it's all going to tumble and it's all going to end at some point. It has to. You know, I, I, I watch Bill Maher, and one of the things that, that he continues to harp on the candidates about is, you know, what's going to happen if Trump does not get reelected and come the inauguration of uh, President Buttigieg or President um, Klobuchar or President Sanders, what what happens if on January 21st, when it comes time to swear in a new president, that President Trump decides that he's just not going to leave? That this is this is his. I mean, he talks about things like, you know, the people that are in, that are backing him, or the police and the military, and then he throws the bikers in there. So you know what? It's almost like he's insinuating that if he doesn't get reelected, or if he doesn't leave on his own terms, that that there's going to be the potential backlash and violence from these groups that back him. But I have friends in the military who who don't have any qualms about Trump leaving. They, they don't have any issue with his departure. 
In fact, some of them, they won't admit it completely out loud in front of their superiors or things like that, but they have no intentions of voting for President Trump this time around. And it's not because the Democrat is the better option. It's just that, that they don't, they don't, you know, they have to call this man boss. So I, I guess it's one of those things that you, you kind of have to put yourself in, in the position of someone who, who actually has to, you know, <clears throat> they have to recognize him as an, as an authority figure for the security of their job. And we'll, I'll, I'll get into some of the other stuff that's gone on recently too, but you know, as, as, as in the military, as an individual or individuals in the military, army, marines, you know, navy, the air force, any of those, space force potentially, um, you know, they have to look at Trump as their boss. He is the commander in chief. It is it is his uh, decision where our military is being sent because we do not have a Congress that will uh, hold him in check for. Uh, things like renting out our our military to the Saudis, um, but you know he he is he has there there are people in the military that don't have any any plans on electing or voting for in favor of Trump, and and I find it hard to believe that all law enforcement has jumped on this bandwagon that they you know I mean law enforcement's made up of every race and creed and religion. And and I find it hard to believe that besides, you know, some of those individuals that you would probably assume would be Trump supporters, it's hard to believe that, that every member of law enforcement or every member of the military or every single biker is is in favor of the, the president having four more years. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. I, you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to say that about Obama when he was being, when he was running for his second term or Bush, when he was running for his second term, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense, you know, but that's something that Trump spits out and, and it really like emboldens his supporters. Like that's the first thing they think is that, Oh, we got the support of the military. We have the support of the law enforcement. We have support of the bikers, which I've seen. I've seen television and movies. I the the fact that the bikers and the law support law, law enforcement are now like on the same team supporting because I was you know in TV the bikers are the ones that are running guns or drugs and things like that that law enforcement's trying to stop. And and you know if you've ever watched any of the any of those. TV shows on Fox, the, the Mayans or, or um, Son of Sons of Anarchy. If you watch those shows, you, you don't really get the impression that all law enforcement and all bikers, you know, work together. So I, I can't really put all that together to say, oh, well, they're both in favor of the president. And I know it's just and I'm getting hung up on something stupid that he said that doesn't really have any meaning. I, I cannot imagine that it has any meaning. I mean, or validity. I can't imagine that it has any validity. It's just, it's insane. It, it's its ridiculous. All right, so moving on to the next segment of my notes that would have been in a previous podcast, but are being thrown into this one um, so that you're not missing out on anything that I have potentially had in my head. Um, uh, during the impeachment trial in the Senate, um, one of the things that happened was that um, Chief Justice John Roberts had to uh, enforce a ruling on um, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul 
basically telling him that he could not out the whistleblower during the trial. So when Rand Paul had the opportunity, um, he was denied by John Roberts uh, to uh, the, he used a period uh, reserved for senators impeachment speeches to read aloud the name of the intelligence community's official alleged uh, alleged keyword uh, whistleblower. Um, so Rand Paul wanted to read the name aloud, and then eventually during his own time, he did read it aloud. Um, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, I can't find anything about, I, I'm not, I'm, I've not looked in depth. I've not tried to find this supposed whistleblower's name because frankly, I don't, it, likely it's probably not even him or her or whomever, whomever it is that Rand Paul is announcing the name of. I think it's highly unlikely that he has this information and and is able to out this individual. So just, you know, at one point, Rand Paul was a voice of reason in the Republican Party. Not necessarily complete reason, but, you know, he was not he was not as gung ho about the president as he seems to be now. Um, But but now it's I don't understand how these Republicans just fall in line behind the president. There's there's no way that they can look at his actions and and, and what he says and all of them be so just so enthralled to just just jump on board the Trump train. It doesn't make any sense. But, you know, but Rand Paul is, is one of the latest. And for some reason, he's jumped on this idea that that he has the whistleblower's name. So he wants to out that individual, which is completely against anything uh, when it, when it comes to individuals being protected under the whistleblower act or the you know the the idea that that if you have information about something that could potentially be damaging to um, you know employees or a company or something like that there there's protections for whistleblowers and and one of the protections is that they won't be outed but but this you know the president wants to out him Rand Paul wants to out this individual or multiple individuals, whomever, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me that this is, this is where we're at. This is, this is still where we're at. We're on this, we're on this collision course with history and, and, and Rand Paul doesn't recognize it. President Trump doesn't recognize it. Again, there are ramifications to what they're doing. I'm, I'm hoping there are ramifications. I, 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 I say that and I don't know. I don't know if the president will ever be held accountable. I don't know if Senator Rand Paul will ever be held accountable. I don't know if Mitch McConnell's ever going to be held accountable. You know, I and 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 these are so I I've I try to look at what's going on and I try to do role reversal and I say, well, what if what if it was Senator um, Chuck Shuley? No, Chuck, whatever from New York. If it was, what if it was, what if it was him? Who was the Senate Majority Leader, and what if it was him that was preventing um, bills from come from from coming from the House to being debated on the floor of the Senate? What, what if what if it was you know what what if it was the Democrats that were in control of both houses of Congress and preventing President Trump from being able to push forward with any uh, any sort of um, agenda or 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 whatnot? Now that's that's kind of what happened at the end of Obama's term. But it, it's not really it's not really what's going on now. Right now, we have a House controlled by Democrats who is continuing to push forward legislation. Um, there are gun bills that have been presented. There are 
other um, there, there's environmental bills that have been presented. Of course, this president has done everything he can to reduce the power of the EPA and and and, and release um, corporations and um, to to basically just continue to take advantage of uh, waterways and, and 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 air pollution and things like that. So that that's continuing to happen. That's that's all terrific. Um, so moving moving forward on the notes, uh, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, if if you watched the end or if you watched any of the um the the what what followed at the end of the state of the union nancy pelosi stood up um did not clap or applause for trump uh whatsoever um but she did take the opportunity at the end of the speech when everyone else was giving an applause not everyone else but when the applause occurred at the end of his speech uh, she did take the opportunity in front of cameras knowing that cameras were on her and shredded his uh, his speech very very, very um, a point of fact it was it was absolutely intentional it was very intentional um, she 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 basically just shredded it right right there in front of the cameras um, it was it was aggressive um, some Republicans uh, called it very rude and uh, they said that it was. Um, it was aggressive, or rude, and there's no way that she could potentially ever apologize for her reactions. Um, conservatives apparently denounced her. Uh, they uh, liberals praised her, of course. Democrats, uh, Democrats thought it was great. Um, both sides were uh, incentivized to heap attention onto the moment. Uh, it took Democrats three years, but they may have finally figured out how to control a new cycle in the Trump era. So the idea that Nancy Pelosi was able to uh, tear apart the speech at the end, you know, physically tear his speech apart, um, was, uh, it, I, okay, so here's the thing. I, I, and I say this, I, I, say, I, I, I say that I enjoyed it. You can't, you, you can't have no backbone uh, it, it, when, when you are, Politically, in the party that is against Trump's Republican Party, you 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 have to have a backbone. You have to have, you have to have the ability to do these things, to 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 control the cycle. Because what would have happened had she not done that is that all of the news after that would have been completely focused on what he said in the speech, what he did in the speech, all of the the giveaways, the the the. The scholarship for the little girl to any school she wanted to go to, uh, Rush Limbaugh getting uh, the Presidential Medal of Freedom uh, around his neck during the speech, um, the the uh, the 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 bringing home of a soldier for to his family, um, which again I, I love those I, I I like seeing those I, I like knowing that they're happening, but was it appropriate to do it during the State of the Union? You know, it was almost like he would go through and and tout his successes during the last year, and then he'd pause to throw in a, you know, you get a free car sort of situation, and 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 that's what I feel like happened during the State of the Union was, it's like he needed a breather, which I get it, I need a breather from, you know, time to time, but it felt like. Uh, it, it, you know, it felt like he was just, it was, it was in order to capture the audience or, or television, you know, it was, it was these things that, that were just tossed out there and given away 
in order to make the speech more interesting because the speech on its own was not interesting. If you take away the 112 standing ovations the Republicans gave to him, and and I, I almost want to imagine that the only reason that they're giving him standing ovations is because he made it through seven sentences at a time without stumbling over it so badly that that they had to just applause. They just it was it it it, just, it required them to be able to 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 cheer for him because he needs he needs people to continue to to really you know run at home that we're not really sure he's going to be able to read through this whole thing. So. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Nancy Pelosi tore it in front. It, it produced some 15,000 memes, which I saw like 12,000 of them. So uh, good job on her. I appreciate Nancy Pelosi for continuing to at least attempt to hold the president in check, even though there is likely no, none of the Republicans are going to help. None of the Republicans are going to help because I believe they think that the money is tied to him, and the only way for them to continue to hold power is to jump on that Trump train and ride it to the end. Uh, again, it's one of those things I really, I really, really hope catches up with them. Uh, let's see. Only a couple more things here. Um, let's see. I'm just going to again read this verbatim. Chinese baby test positive for coronavirus 30 hours after birth. So a Chinese baby was diagnosed with the coronavirus just 30 hours after a woman who had tested positive for the deadly disease gave birth to the uh, gave birth in the epicenter city of uh, Wuhan. Um, that was according to state media. So um, the hospital um, that Wednesday, this was a couple weeks ago again, um, cited that the case has evidence that the pregnant woman infected with the virus may be able to pass it to their unborn children, um, according to. Uh, state broadcaster. So that's another scary kind of thing with this coronavirus. Um, and it seems as though the president is is less worried about the coronavirus than than maybe our CDC and um, Department of Health and uh, Environmental Control. So uh, he he did make a comment that in his head he believes that the <laughs> the coronavirus may be lessening. Because temperatures are going up, and when temperatures go come up, when they when they rise, uh, the the viruses just sort of whoop, they go away. We don't we don't see them anymore. They're they're gone. Um, that's not really what happens. Uh, that that it, it's 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 just not. And and the fact that the president can sit up there and talk about toilets and the coronavirus in the same breath is amazing to me, because his supporters don't care what the context is. They don't they don't care what. <laughs> what is going on in his head but they they will he mentioned toilets and sinks and flushing and water not being there and then two seconds later talk about how the coronavirus is going away and they cheer for both like it's christmas morning i uh, it, it is it, it is so hard to follow and 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 I want I want to assume that the people that that I know that I I consider to be intelligent human beings would not watch one of these rallies or or attend one of these rallies for President Trump and 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 be able to cheer along with the nonsense. And and I'm not I'm not saying that as as someone that doesn't like the president. I'm saying that because I've watched them and 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 I've I've seen you know them live. And I don't, for the life of me, I can't follow 
what it is that's going on. It's not like it's one of those things that you have to attend to be able to get it. It's, it's one of those things where I don't understand how anyone can get it. It doesn't make any sense. So, you know, and, and we're going to continue to see these rallies as we move through the campaign season and whatnot. And, 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 you know, if they entertain you, terrific, because that's, I, I almost feel like that's really all they're, they're for. Um, so moving back a couple of weeks, uh, now the last thing that I have here is, uh, Iowa sort of still in question on the victory. And, and actually that's still true. Um, Iowa did award delegates to both Pete Buttigieg and Bernie Sanders. Pete Buttigieg did get, I think one more delegate than Bernie Sanders, but Bernie Sanders won the popular vote by like 6,000 votes in Iowa based on the caucus numbers. Uh, Buttigieg, because of how the rural votes came in or how they were counted, he did win the electoral version of the caucus. So even though it sounds like electorally, there should be no electronics involved in Iowa's caucusing. Um, but yeah, so so Sanders won roughly 6,000 more votes than, I say one, he he was he received roughly six thousand more votes than Pete Buttigieg, um, but Buttigieg was awarded, uh, I, I believe, one more delegate than Sanders because again he was the caucus winner. Um, New Hampshire, uh, both Buttigieg and Sanders basically tied in in New Hampshire. Uh, we have Nevada coming up, so that'll be uh, I believe Monday or Tuesday. So tomorrow or Tuesday is Nevada. So. Uh, as it stands right now, it sounds as though Bernie Sanders is leading uh, in Nevada pretty handedly. So there's potential that he will come out of Nevada with his technically his third victory. Uh, technically, his second victory, probably his third victory. And then South Carolina, where it's likely Biden will probably win. That's that's next week. Um, or I'm sorry, that is the 29th. So not this weekend, but the next weekend. So um Anyhow, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you for listening. I am going to be able to toss these notes so that for episode 32, we will have brand new ones. And, uh, and if you do use this show to keep up on the news, I apologize. This one's going to uh, set you back a little ways. So thank you for listening. All About Nothing podcast. I am Barrett. Follow me on Twitter at Barrett Gruber. You can follow Zach at CarolinaKing21, and you can follow the pod at AAN underscore pod. Thank you for listening. We'll do it again here in a few days. We'll get a new recording. It'll be all updated, and uh, it'll be hopefully to your liking. So thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.
The All About Nothing podcast is a member of the GOT Podcast Network.